Welcome to the Conversion Tracking Playbook, where we share how to overcome tracking challenges that e-commerce brands face today and real-world examples of transforming data into insights. Welcome back to another episode of the Conversion Tracking Playbook. I'm your host, Brad Redding. Today is a special episode. I just got done recording a live Q&A working sesh webinar with Dan from Dacity. If you don't know Dacity, they are very heavy on the business intelligence reporting side. So we had a yin and a yang where at the LFR side, I went deep on data collection with GA4 and he shared the business reporting, attribution reporting, nuances, et cetera, that his customers at Dacity are seeing on the GA4 reporting side. So this episode is all GA4 related. It does get in the weeds on nuances of attribution differences in GA4, uh, some examples of funnel reports. We went through, gosh, goals versus conversions, a lot of good stuff. And again, we tried to share the nuances of data collection side of it, but also the reporting and even some trends that Dan is seeing with his customers on differences comparing universal analytics to GA4. So Hopefully, this is extremely valuable and helpful for you as you navigate your transition to GA4. As always, if you have any questions, feedback, just shoot me an email, brad at getallofar.com. I'm just going to shut up now as we cut over to this episode. All right, so I'll uh, kick things off here. And just to set the stage, my first foray into GA4 was before it was called GA4, when it used to be called App Plus Web. Ironically enough, I think Brothies was one of the first customers ever that we uh, configured App Plus Web tracking on again. The GA4 name just came out, I don't know, it's probably been two years at this point. A lot of history just seeing that property type evolve over the years. And to be honest with you, as of a year and a half ago, I kind of just set it off to the side and said, I'll come back to this in five years because it was just so limiting, even seeing data or in some properties we've been collecting three, four plus years. I'd say the slow progress to GA4 to a point where e-com, so e-com users can utilize it like we're all using universal analytics. I would imagine there's some of the privacy headwinds that everyone's facing that might have fast-tracked the, the move and sunsetting of UA to GA4. So here we are today. We are a few months away from just having to, when we log into Google Analytics, we are going to be looking at GA4 and not our standard, you know, source medium reports, landing page reports, et cetera. So to kind of juice the, uh, the conversation here going before I pass it over to Dan, I wanted to share the top eight things that we are hearing at Elevar and have been listening and helping some of our customers over the last, last year, really primarily been the last year or two. But some of the action items and the urgency that we're hearing, I just want to go through that to start. So the first one is year over year analysis. So why was there a big push last summer to get you up and running on GA4? Even just the simple data collection, it is primarily to prevent the, it's August 1st, 2023 or August 30th, 30th. And you want to do a year over year comparison of August 23 to August, 2022. That was the reason why is so you have that year-over-year comparison. If you are utilizing your GA4 data, you aren't essentially blending UA and GA4 data in a tool like, like Dacity or others. So that was the big reason, a big push that you saw last year of just get it up and running. Don't use it. Just start tracking data. So even if you are still at that point where you have not 
enabled tracking for GA4, that's still going to be the main reason is just you want to limit that window where you don't have that year-over-year -year comparison with your GA4 data. So that's the first one. The second one, comfort and polling reports that you're used to on a daily basis. This is a common theme that is coming up consistently with many customers that I talk to. It's just how and when will I be able to look at the same reports in GA4 that I'm used to looking at inside of Universal Analytics. It could be just as simple as, hey, I just want to go to Source Medium and look at my campaign performance and whether it's targeting down to goals or just your conversions or going to landing pages and doing secondary dimensions of campaigns by landing pages, et cetera. How and when can I do that in GA4? So that's another one that we are being asked quite a bit, and I'm sure Dan is as well. Number three is so the other reason for the urgency and putting this on and, and building more documentation for everyone is defining the data that you need to collect, especially if you are not using another intelligence tool. So again, if we just picture where July, post July, uh, August, what, what is the data that you need to collect? Are you very heavily reliant on goals in universal analytics? So goals for email signups or goals for add to cart, goals for initiating checkout. Do you have those configured and set as conversions in GA4? Are you very heavily reliant on event tracking? So are you active in CRO or conversion optimization using universal analytics data? Do you have that configured in GA4? Do you know how to access that data in GA4? Do you know how to analyze that data in GA4? So again, just defining what is the data sets that you currently rely on today that you want to ensure you have in place for GA4. There are a host of differences in the property configurations, and there's changes that are happening, unfortunately, in parallel with this UA to GA4 transition, where we see more of the iOS rollouts that are obfuscating IP addresses that causes really weird geolocation reporting where you know traffic's in the UK, but it's being reported as in the US in Universal Analytics. So there might be a lot of nuances for you personally on the data that you are looking to rely on from Google is defining that as you get into GA4. So that's another critical part of this process for, for you or, or your team to work through. A hot topic, which Darren alluded to, is the defining how you're going to collect that data. Actually, Darren was before we recorded, so we were talking about it uh, before. So you might be wondering, well, what are you talking about, Brad? But the Shopify Google, the Google channel that was just released, kind of a word soup here, but there's the Google channel app that is quote unquote native to Shopify, and they released their GA4 integration last week. So that's been obviously a hot topic that we've been trying to share as much as we can on it. But to boil it down to you, once you define what data you need to collect, how do you want to collect that data? What tool, what process are you going to use to collect and fulfill that data of uh, your data collection needs? Are you using the native Google app, which is, again, it's not Shopify, I didn't build it. The shop, as far as we know, Shopify is not supporting it. It is owned and maintained by Google, just like the, the Facebook channel. Are you using Elevar? Are you using Little Data? Are you using a custom GDTM web container? Are you using something you built in-house? Whatever it may be is going through the process of defining how you're going to collect that data. When you go through that process, and we'll get into a little bit more detail on this later, but be wary of what does your roadmap look like for the store? Are you a plus store? Are you currently still relying on checkout that liquid or have you moved to checkout extensibility? Is the process for collecting data compatible with checkout extensibility? Are you using upsells? Are you using subscriptions? Are they offsite subscriptions or Within the native Shopify checkout, I believe Global E is going through a pretty massive process where they're moving from off-site Global E checkout. I don't know the exact deadline, but 
moving people to inside of checkout? Do you need different reporting based on locations that, that different customers are, are checking out based on, again, coming in through the UK or Italy, Germany, US, et cetera. So a lot of nuances there and things to consider. It's not, most cases, it's not just going to be, you just click a button and it's done and, and covers 100% of your, your use cases. Brad, and I know this is the voice from beyond because my video is not on right now, but I am here. Um, let me, I'm just going to interrupt here for a second because I'm going to get you guys to address something that I know is ever present with the folks on the webinar. And maybe you can both speak to this. And it's actually some of what's already starting to come in from questions. So events, yeah. goals, conversions, all of it is going to look different in GA4, right? Yeah, And this also means then that as merchants try to create their reports in GA4, everything is going to look different than it did in UA. Can you speak maybe specifically to some of the things that merchants and their agencies are going to have to be very mindful of as they're setting up when it comes to things like the events, the goals, their conversions? Dan, I was going to say, I can take the collection side. Yeah, you take the collection side. I'll take the reporting side. Okay. Don't quote me, but I think Universal Analytics, when you are creating a goal, there are five unique types of quote-unquote goals you can create. Destination goal, which is URL-based, a smart goal, and templated goal, a custom goal, et cetera. Many of the goals we've created with all of our customers over the years and what we've consulted on is user event-based goals. So events, if it's an add to cart goal, so the event action projects matches add to cart or something similar to that. If you think about goals in that way, inside of GA4, it should look fairly similar whether you're using the, the native Google app or Elevar or someone else, but inside of your property settings in GA4, there is a conversions tab. And this has actually moved around a little bit over the last year where, where it is in GA4 property settings, but there's a conversions setting and that'll show you all of your quote unquote conversions that you're sending to GA for purchase, add to cart, any other quote unquote conversion event that you would want to define as a goal. There's a little toggle button that you just, you can toggle that on and there's essentially one type of goal. This is where nomenclature will cause me to be confused as I'm trying to explain it, but universal analytics, you have those distinct goal types you can create the URL based or the smart goal or an event based goal in GA four you have essentially one type, it's a conversion. So you have a conversion and you can choose to mark that as a uh, conversion event. So I'll just start with a lot of stuff's gonna change and that's probably the biggest challenge. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, is, as Brad mentioned, GA4 really is the construct of what used to be app and event. And really Google had created this concept of how do you do really good tracking within an app? So within their whole mobile app sort of framework. And what they've done is essentially taken that and made it GA4. So a lot of the same concepts don't really apply because they don't apply to kind of mobile. So a lot of things that you used to have, so things like you're going to have events and events are way more critical than for GA4 than they are really in UA because everything is driven around events. Goals are sort of same. You're going to be able to get a lot of the data. I will say the reporting in GA4 is not as good as GA3 and what you can get out of GA, out of the APIs and what you can kind of build is just reports is going to be a lot worse 
you're going to rely a lot more on BigQuery. That's kind of the gist of it. So I can kind of get into some of the details of some of the reporting. Let's talk about kind of some of the big changes. So you've got sessions are different. In UA, generally it's a 30-minute session, but if you have somebody leave the site and come back and the source is different. So let's say I came to your source from direct and I leave and I come back as paid and I clicked on, let's say, a Google search. That's going to show up as in two sessions in UA, in GA3. In GA4, it's going to show up as one session because it's more of this app-driven concept. And that's because the default is 30 minutes. What does that mean? Visitors are probably going to go down. So your session volume, if you're comparing GA3 to GA4, and remember, like fundamentally, nothing is actually changing on your website, right? You haven't had different traffic, but fundamentally, your sessions are going to go down. Your conversion's going to go up. So for all of you e-com managers or those that work for e-com managers or whoever, on July 1st, when you see a huge delta, it's not real. It is something not real. And so we kind of suggest, hey, get GA4 up and running, track GA3 to GA4 so you kind of have an understanding of how the two are working together. So visitor volume is going to go down. Last click concept is different. So the default for GA4 is going to be this attribution base where Google's got now can apply some sort of logic to try and actually say, this is what we think the last click was versus sort of directly tracking it just to the answer question. So what was the average difference? We've been seeing about 10% where volume difference, session difference is off by about 10%. I'll say out of all the customers that we have working on GA4 right now, there's not a single one that has it working perfectly. Everybody's kind of going through changing bells and whistles. So last click changes, there's a whole new set of channels. So they've now introduced default channels for paid shopping, paid social, SMS, a whole bunch of others. So all of your reporting that you're doing around where channels are coming in from, where your traffic is coming in from, how you're calculating CPO, CPAs, right? Because you got your marketing spend, all of that's going to change too that really becomes complicated. There's a question about sort of the native, and Brad was talking about this, about the Shopify checkout. So there are some things that are good about, I'll say the Shopify integration that I really like, and that's that they're going to send events out of box. So they, in their code, I think they're doing page view, an item view, add to cart, some checkout stuff. That's really useful because two things that you're not going to get in GA4 that you may rely on shopping stage, right? So shopping stage is really useful in UA where you get to see how many people saw a product page, how many people started, got into the cart, how many like that tells you where you're dropping off in your funnel. So that's gone in GA4. So you have to do that out of events. And then the other one that's gone is page performance. So kind of being able to view PDP performance, that's gone. In order to get that data, you're going to have to go and set up an export to BigQuery. So this is the, some of the cool stuff. You're going to have to be able to go set up an export to BigQuery. Should be cheap. BigQuery is cheap on cost from storage. But then you'll be able to write some custom queries to go extract that data out of BigQuery and either generate a report yourself or dump it to some sort of analytics platform like us, like Dassey. And we're going to be, and you're going to be able to go and see the equivalent of what that traffic, what those metrics are like. And I'll say one last thing, and I can ask Brad a couple of questions. 
you know, for me, I think being able to have that big query export, being able to go have access to that data is really cool because it's stuff that we've never had access. For most of us, we couldn't pay for GA360. It's just way too expensive. The GA4 with the big query export is the equivalent. It's giving you data at the session level. So now think about really cool things like if I can tag an individual and link it back across sessions and get back to a type of person, I can now start to understand the behavior of certain profiles that I don't have in my GA that GA can't capture and start to understand how they're viewing my website. So I'm going to sort of shoot it over to Brad for a second. It's like, I really want to kind of dig into that because I think that's kind of something that's uh, really kind of cool. And actually, let me just answer a quick question. Yes, and we are, so Dassey's going to have a GA4 API that is live. We are going to have a GA4 BigQuery extractor. And so we have a whole bunch of stuff that's coming out. We've designed a schema that's going to allow you to keep your GA3 and GA4 in the same place. So not only can you compare your data, but you're going to be able to choose when you switch over so that you have one place where you can see all of your history. Because you know what's going to suck on July 1st? You're going to go and say your session's for yesterday. And if you want to do year over year, you're going to have to download it and go into like GA3, right? That's why you're going to want to use companies like Elevar and ourselves, because we're going to go take care of that for you. We're, we've got it all. We're, do, we're rolling that out. Yeah, Let me go back to- That's actually, I, before you move on, that yeah. I just hit on something that I know is really important for us to address today. And that is, how do I maintain some of this historical data, right? And so if there's anything more that either of you, before we move off that, because it was perfect timing, that was exactly what I was going to ask about. And so if there's anything more either of you want to add on, what do I do with all of my historical data out of UA at the cutoff point, and how am I going to be able to do those evaluations over time? Yeah, I'll say, go dump it. You have six months. So retention, they're going to keep it around for six months. You're going to want to dump all that data. So best thing to do is use somebody like us, go connect your GA3, set up the reports you want to extract. We'll extract that, all that data for you, put it into a database. And that way, as you start to kind of think about GA4, it's going to be a lot easier for you to use somebody like Dacity and Elevar to kind of go and extract that data for you and put it in a database. So you're going to be able to slice and dice as you want other than trying to do it manually. I'll go back to the question I have. So I wanted to kind of chat about this kind of cool concept of like, you're almost kind of getting the functionality of GA360 kind of for free with BigQuery other than, you know, you got to pay for the processing. So I'd love to, you know, Brad, love for you to kind of, you've been capturing all this data, like that level of granularity of data for a long time. You know, what's some of the cool stuff that you've seen people do with, as you said, working with folks like the Rothies and those that have been having this for quite some time, is there anything you can kind of comment on there that's kind of really exciting that you've seen that now really opens up for everybody? Yeah, I have a list of, I need to come back to attribution settings in GA4, uh, the funnel builder and answer that question. And also the, the one just on historical data polls. So the, I've even asked myself this, why do I need my data from three years ago, even just for LOR, for LOR marketing site. Like, why do I need that? What am I going to use that for a year from now? Chances are, unless you're, you know, modeling forecasting, which obviously gets, this gets into your, your world, Dan and, and others, but think about just business-wise. So if you are ever doing something bigger with a business and you getting requests for historical data on, okay, let's look at organic traffic or 
just your baseline metrics over the last five years, three years, and how those have changed. I think that would be another thing that doesn't, it's not immediate. It is a, what might the business do in the future, three to five years where I might get that type of request of, hey, give us your last five years of these three to five core metrics. If you don't have that, then, you know, that may be a ding on, on the business. Before I get into what can we do or what have we seen done over the last couple of years with GA4 data, I, I do want to go back to the attribution differences between UA and GA4, because one of the big things that I know I personally have shared that I've, it's been a, a benefit of GA4 over universal analytics is the ability to use their data-driven attribution model, but also they can change. You can change the attribution model, which will be retroactive to some of the reports. But there's a nuance where if you go to some of the standard reports in GA4, even if you have that property setting set to the data-driven attribution model, you are still looking at their last non-direct network click, I think is what GA4 is. So <laughs> that is way too much in the weeds. I think this webinar to go through, you could have a standard report up in GA4, you could have a standard report looking at your conversion events, and you could have a custom report that you create in GA4 in three different tabs. Even if your property setting in GA4 is set to data-driven or something else, you are looking at different attribution reports. So you're looking at data with different attribution settings applied. I don't know how much more you want to unpack that, Dan, but just wanted to make that clear because that is super confusing to me and to anyone else that gets into the GA4 interface, but it is something important to consider uh, when you or, or your team, when you're getting into GA4, just trying to do that comparison, UA versus GA4, and what am I seeing? Why is it so much different? There's good and bad, as you said, right? So data-driven attribution concept is really cool. Here's the downside. It's a black box. So you don't really know. So if I'm a marketer and I'm trying to understand where exactly my traffic's coming from, there's a little bit of risk there, right? Because you don't really understand it. It's not the same as UA. So you're going to want to have probably two views. And that's kind of some of the benefits of using somebody like Dassey. He's like, you can go use the BigQuery because you can go code it yourself. It's, it's going to be scary, right? That suddenly you have not only, as I was saying, like, does your traffic, as we've seen traffic go down 10%, but there's a huge shift in mix of channels. And so you're going in January through June saying, this is my session distribution by channel. This is my cost per order. And if that logic changes significantly, it throws all of your, quote, marketing metrics could vary tremendously, yet it's not like your business changed from June 30th to July 1st. And so that's really kind of the part that's really important is starting to have some tracking that, building it so you have a good feeling of what's really going on and what that reporting is. And so that's why we really can recommend like, try and do it sooner rather than later so you can have a couple of weeks to track so that you have data coming in from both. It is exciting what they're doing about the attribution because of data-driven and kind of giving you more flexibility. The downside is always going to be, hey, remember their Google, what are they trying to do? They're trying to get you to spend more money on Google ads, right? Good point. All right. So let's go back to your question that you mm -hmm. posed on what are some unique things that we've seen either our team and all of our or just brands that we work with pull from GTA 4 data funnel funnel builder so that i think there's two there the funnel builder it was a a feature in ga360 that i loved we actually in an old version of elevar we built a funnel builder it was our most popular feature i do think as people start using ga4 even last year we were when people we were getting questions hey should we start using ga4 just get comfortable we said no but 
just use a funnel builder to get comfortable with that. Pros and cons of the funnel builder today, which hopefully it'll change. The cons are I can't create a checkout stage funnel and then share a template with you that anyone can add to your Geopore property yet. Maybe they launch that today. I don't know. But so that is one downside where you actually will have to go through and recreate it versus Elevar or Dastly or anyone else creating a bunch of templates that you can just click and automatically add to your property. I wouldn't be surprised if that's added in the future, but Funnel Builder will allow you, going back to the event-driven model of data collection, if you're using just you know the eight standard events that come with the uh, Google channel with Shopify, or you're using something else where you're collecting 15, 20, 25 different events, you can go into the Funnel Builder and say, step one, session start. Step two, view a product or add to cart. So you can have and and or logic within a step. Step three, they you know complete a quiz and initiate checkout, et cetera. But then slicing and dicing through that. So we have one well, name. So one brand, what they were using this pretty heavily for was they have the men versus women. So the classic, you know, the, the binary type of funnel where all right, you have shoppers going to go deep on the men's or, or the women's. So what they were using these funnels for is they would have mixed collection pages where there would be men's and women's in a sale page. And you could filter on a left sidebar, but the overall sale category was mixed. So in their funnel, they had two different unique funnels where they're looking at a funnel of people who started going through men's and then sale versus people who went from women's to sale and then were going through those similar stages. They were using that to help help with merchandising questions, navigation, uh, presentation uh, questions that they're trying to answer. A lot of it that would lead to hypotheses for CRO experiments, but I would say that is, I think the easiest thing that you can dive into GA4 without having to know all the nuances that we're talking about with attribution models, et cetera. You can just, you do need some basic training and understanding how the left nav works. I love Google, but it's, to me, it's still a fairly confusing experience where I'm just have my muscle memory not trained even after a couple of years of the metric and dimensions and how to drag and drop everything in there. But once you understand how that works, that will be the easiest and fastest time to value for answering questions that you can't answer in universal analytics today. Because remember, in universal analytics, goals are not retroactive. So you could spend the time creating a goal and creating the funnel visualization view and UA, but you couldn't actually put it to use until a week, a couple of days later when you had data collected. GA4, it's retroactive as long as you have those events, even if it's just page views and you use filtered page view events. There's a second one that is a little bit more technical, the path visualization, the behavior flow in Universal Analytics, but there's the the path explorer in GA4. I personally use this on, I was looking at one, one customer site going back from checkout and without getting too much in the weeds on this, but let's try to look at, okay, they were using a custom landing page to drive traffic outside of their storefront and driving people with either dynamic buy now buttons or add to cart buttons, et cetera, that were, some were redirecting checkout, some weren't. So you can choose your end events. So the end event is the add payment step or the beginning initiate checkout step or purchase and do the reverse funnel visualization. So I wanted to try to see where were people falling off. And it's a lot easier to do in GA4. Fairly complex and technical, but it is actually exposed a stock issue and a redirect issue is happening by now at the cart. So there were two issues that, because you could see the top pages that were, were listed as exits in that funnel, and they're able to look at resolving that. So one, the funnels are a little bit easier to explain. The path visualization is a little more complex. How to do that, but that helped Dan. <laughs> yeah, I think it's great because it's really helpful, right? Those are things that are super important if you're a merchant trying to understand. We have a couple of questions that came in that I want to make sure, because this one 
actually, this is specific, but so this uh, person is seeing 5% more se sessions in GA4 than they did in UA. So it's only 5%, but what do you guys think in terms of the relevancy of that? Like, is that something to be concerned about? Do they need to reconcile? Where's that 5% difference coming from? I'm the data collection guy, so I would start looking at how is the data being collected as one, are they both being collected via GTM web container or different methods? So what's the method of collecting? Two, look at your filter differences. You can filter out. That's another pretty big change or difference today between UA and GA4. In Universal Analytics, you have the ability to cleanse the data after it's been processed but before it hits your reports. So an easy example is if you wanted to rewrite a URL to like uppercase, lowercase, or if you wanted to merge m.facebook.com to facebook.com, or if you wanted to filter out based on, I don't know, various rules and logic. Universal Analytics, you can do a lot of that. So it's been processed by Google, but you aren't seeing it yet. It's run it, they're running it through the filters. With GA4, the Filtering is significantly more elementary than universal analytics. You can do some basic filtering, but the, any of the, of that pre-reporting processing of data, you need to do during data collection. So that is, who know? I don't know if that's would answer the question of 5%, but between that two, how are you collecting the data? And then how are you processing filtering between the two properties? There might be some nuances there. Yeah. I think from my perspective, I'd say it's not a concern. As long as you ensure that you're tracking apples to apples. So if you think of kind of the default concept of, oh, it doesn't create a new session based upon a traffic, a change in traffic. So it doesn't create a new session based upon a traffic source within the, within the, the, the session window, you would expect your traffic to go down. So in this scenario, it's gone up. So that tells me probably I'm not comparing apples to apples. Are my session periods the same? Do I have the referral exclusions the same? Those are all the things that you should check because that's the important part, right? Is if you are seeing a higher volume and your settings are exactly the same, then great, right? It's resetting the expectations that you have of nothing's changed. There's nothing fundamentally in your business. There's nothing like... It's two sets of tags that are recording data on your site and they're giving you a different answer. You know, it's a little bit different than, you know how much you sold because you know how much money ends up in your bank account. This one's a little bit different. So as long as you go back to that fundamental, what are my settings? What are the differences in my settings? Is everything exactly the same? Okay, I'm comfortable. Now you can say, yep, I'm expecting traffic to be 5% up, which means what? Your conversion's probably down, but is it really down? No, you're just setting that new bar of what you think good is. A question that I know Elevar is getting a lot over the last week and a half or so, two weeks, and Brad, I know that we are coming out with some formal responses to this, but can you speak to what is the difference between what Shopify announced with their GA4 integration and what companies like Elevar has with a GA4 integration? I have our list from Katie, our, our head of data, pulled up here. The biggest shocker to me is the way that if you are using post-purchase upsells in checkout. So if you are using post-purchase upsells like a rebuy or others, you know there's that intermediary page. 
someone buys their main item. So I buy you know, my pair of pants and then I'm being shown, hey, do you want to upsell and buy a matching pair of socks? In that page, the user has three options. They can choose A, to accept the upsell, B, decline the upsell, or C, just exit the page. What in, in our testing of the new native Google channel is if the user decides to leave the page, the conversion never fires. The purchase conversion never triggers. The purchase conversion is only triggering if the user reaches the final thank you page. This varies so widely between vertical, niche, customer, et cetera, but you might only see 50% of your customers actually make it to the final thank you page where they make it there by either accepting an upsell or declining it, clicking no thank you, which would then redirect them to the final thank you page. So that to me, out of everything, is a pretty big gap, which hopefully does get fixed because there are millions of stores that not everyone needs the solution like an Elevar or others. So hopefully that gets fixed. If that doesn't get fixed, then that would be a pretty, that's a big gap with, with GA4. So you might only end up having 50 to 60% of your purchase conversions in GA4 just simply because of that. So that's the biggest point, I think, in my opinion. Just to run through this list, we'll share a list with everyone after it's in graph mode in our knowledge base as well. But so with just comparing our, the LOR integration to the, the native Google channel integration, so LOR sending purchases server side, it's client side through the native Google shopping app. There's no product list performance data, so no product. Uh, so think collection pages, search pages, so there's no events coming through with that. Upsells I mentioned there, unfortunately the same bugaboo that uh, many merchants have had with the native universal analytics with Shopify is the whole, how product name and variants are handled. So if you have variants, so think small, medium, large, or a color variant, where you would look at your product performance report, like Dan mentioned in the past, where you'd see the product name would be t-shirt and then black dash L or, and that would, that would, will cause issues if you're looking at your buy to cart ratio or any other add to cart ratios. So the native Google channel, it's passing the product name and variant in some cases. So it's not actually not consistent with every event. So that will cause issues. Even if you're pulling it into BigQuery and trying to use it, your product names are going to be all over, all over the place because the metric counts like a product view or add to cart, they're going to be set on that product name variant, not to the, your parent product name. So that's one's kind of confusing to explain. There's some other things like the, there's a couple of nuances with the ad shipping info steps. So there's no ad shipping info step that we're seeing. And the other big one is the product. So the, the native Shopify universal analytics today sends product SKU as the ID, the GA4 Google app sends product ID. So this is nomenclature. So SKU is currently, if you just are using the native Shopify UA integration, you go into your Google Analytics product performance report or anywhere you are using that data, you're looking at SKU. This is a change. So the GA4, the native integration, it's using the native Shopify product ID. So your identifiers would be different if you just switch from one to the other. Uh, with Elevar and I think with others, you can modify that. So we, we you can choose SKU product ID or variant ID with Elevar. The other big one, there's no user identifier passed in the native integration as of today. So the user identifier that will do what Dan was mentioning in the beginning, which will help you potentially stitch a, a journey together. So there's no user identifier that's currently passed. Um, so this could lead to more direct none and another non-attributable traffic as well. Those are the big ones. That's good because it gives folks a sense of the Shopify integration does a job, but it's a much more limited job than what is possible. Before we wrap up, I want to give both of you an opportunity to share 
a bit of advice, and it could be specifically on GA4 or perhaps otherwise, that you want to share with the audience before we wrap up. And, and Dan, I'll start with you. And it could be anything. Yeah, I'll, I'll sort of say two things. So one, do it as soon as you can. Because I'll say this is it's not going to be right out of the box. You're going to find that there's some setting that you've done. You know, how many of us have actually looked at our GA, our UA setup in the last month, in the last two months? We probably haven't looked at it in ages because we're happy with it. And maybe we made some adjustments around, you know, default channel groupings or something like that. But we probably haven't touched it in a long time. And so I really urge everybody. Even if you're not going to go spend a lot of time, just go install it, go turn on the export into BigQuery, because those are things like you can't retroactively capture your GA4 data. At least if you start capturing it and exporting it and getting events, we can go fix it. You know, somebody, an analyst or somebody can go play with that data and go fix it. And the other piece that I would say, and this is just more in terms of we're going to, you know, reach out for if you need help just with GA3 and GA4 and capturing the data and putting in a database and be able to stitch it all together, we're going to do a special promo just on that alone, just for people that just need Google Analytics support in terms of capturing that data so you can reach out to our sales team at Dacity and we'll make sure to get you help in that piece. Because I know that this transition is scary. It's a scary transition. So those are the two pieces of advice that I have is don't try and spend tons of hours doing it yourself. Use Elevar, use ourselves, but do it soon. All right, I got three. One, training. Don't un underestimate training either for yourself or your team. Just understanding some of what we've already talked about. Number two is I personally feel there's going to be a major oh crap moment for anyone who is very heavily reliant on universal analytics for behavior analysis. So you're trying to fine tune your site features, et cetera, and using event actions and conversions around that and trying to dissect, you know, where are people going from our main navigation? Are people watching videos? Is that leading to conversions or not? It might be a smaller audience than just your campaign reporting. But I think that could give you an edge if you are on top of that and you can continue that analysis while others are scrambling a bit. I think that could be an edge if you, again, can train yourself or a team on how to take advantage of that in GA4. And then my third one is somewhat related is backup plan. If, if, what's, if GA4 doesn't meet your needs, what's your backup plan? That's a bigger combo. But again, to me, it's more around the behavior analysis and especially with the market conditions that we're in, where there's such a higher emphasis and focus, at least in, in our role from what we see on conversion optimization of trying to squeeze more uh, performance out of your existing traffic versus just trying to buy loads and loads. I think there are some teams that they're just not going to be able to wrap their heads around GA4 because of lack of training or just because they just can't. What's the backup plan to extract some of those insights? Very good. First of all, I want to just say thank you to everyone that joined today. This was an amazing discussion. I know it's a lot for everyone to digest and to try and prepare for. And so please know that both Elevar and Dacity are here to help. We all have services that we can offer and help you out. For everybody that is attending the webinar today, both companies have a special offer for you. I, we will follow up. You'll get information on all of this. So please know that there's a special offer for you. 
And for anyone that wants to contact either Elevar or Audacity, here's emails you can use. I want to thank Brad and Dan for your time today. And we will follow up again with recording and with a Q&A that we've captured from this event. And we'll add some things we know are also top of mind in that Q&A and send that out to everybody. So, And we have a Slack group. We have a GA4 or a Shopify Slack group. Thank you. Thank you. So we do have this GA4 Slack channel that Elevar is managing and will provide the information on joining that channel for everyone that's in attendance today. All right. Anything else you want to close with before we wrap it up? Any questions? Nope. No more questions came in. All right. Thank you, Brad. Thank you, Dan. Appreciate it so much. Thanks, everybody. Great to have you here. Yep. Thanks, everyone. Did you enjoy today's episode? If so, we release two new episodes per week. So be sure to subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else that you subscribe and listen to your podcasts. I also have a favor to ask. I'd really appreciate if you could leave a comment or review so I can learn exactly how to improve future episodes for you. And last but not least, if you want to connect with me, find me on LinkedIn by searching Brad Redding at Elevar. That's E-L-E-V-A-R. Or you can DM me on Twitter. My handle is I am Brad Redding. I look forward to connecting with you. Thanks again. Thanks again.